I want to personally say welcome to XL Youth. I'm so excited you're here. You could be anywhere. You could be at home. You could be asleep. <laughs> and you could be asleep, right? That sounds so good right now. You could be at the gym, whatever it is. But you're here tonight, and I want to give you a special shout-out if it's your first time here. Uh, you belong here. It's your first night, but you belong here. This is a space for you. If you are looking for a community, a place to feel supported and cared for, you found it. You walked into the family, and I hope that this won't be your first and last night that you would join us on this journey of being the best youth ministry in Chicago, Illinois. It's facts. In the state. It's just facts. And so this might scare you, but this is something we do every Thursday. You'll catch on. XL Youth, I said, hey, yo! I said, hey, yo. You know what? Hold on. I forgot. I forgot something. I, I'm doing something new tonight to just roll with me. Just roll with me. Just roll with me. I got a timer real quick. Can you get your Bibles out for me? Go ahead, get your Bibles out. Go ahead, get your Bibles out. We are in the book of John tonight. John chapter 4. Get there, get there. John chapter 4. I see real Bibles. I see real Bibles. That's what I'm talking about. If you got your real Bible, wave it up in the air like you just do care. You do care. You get, you get to care. If you got your glow Bible, that's fine. Hope it doesn't die on you. <laughs> Hope you charged your Bible tonight. But if you got, you got 80%? <laughs> if you got a Bible tonight, get to John 4. John 4. We're going to be reading in John chapter 4, 4 through 26 tonight. We're in a series called Masks. We're in a series called Masks. Go ahead, throw that graphic up. We're in a series called Masks. In October, it's known for a holiday called Halloween. You said Christmas. CPS right there, that's crazy. Halloween. It's a holiday known that one night out of the year, you can be anything. You can be anything. I want to be a space cowboy with a samurai sword and butterfly wings. You could be that. It's a little weird, but do you. But you and I, at some point in our life, become owners of several masks. You're like, that's not true, Pastor Izzy. I only have one. My mom bought it for me at Walgreens today. I'm not talking about that kind of mask. I'm talking about the mask that you feel like you have to wear to get ahead. The mask you feel like you have to wear because of the expectations that your parents put on you. The mask that you feel like you have to wear because of what social media or what you're into tells you to wear. You and I wear masks. We do. We have so many voices in our life telling us what masks we should wear. And ultimately, what that mask becomes is our identity. It's who we think we should be in this season of our lives. And so my heart for you in this series that I'm repeating over and over and over again is that you would understand who you really are by coming to the realization of who Jesus really is. 
that you will know who you are through knowing who Jesus is. Tonight, we, we encounter our first mask. Last week, we talked about how life is a masquerade, how everyone's wearing a mask, and that God is wanting to reveal who we really are to us. But that only comes from revealing who he is. And he is the what? Someone who remembers. The what? The Messiah. The chosen one. The anointed one. The Savior. Pastor Vocab hit us up last night or last Thursday. Broke it down for us. I encourage you, if you're not here for last week's message, uh, go back on Spotify, on YouTube. Listen to it. Watch it again so you can kind of catch up to where we are. Tonight, we're going to get rid of a mask. Tonight, we are going to get rid of it. I feel this in my heart tonight. So John 4, we start with this story. I'm going to read it for you. If you can stand for the reading of God's word, go ahead and stand for me. I didn't put all of it up there, so you just have to borrow somebody else's Bible. We're going to stop at a certain spot. We're going to start and go. So just roll with me. Here we go. Starting with verse 4. John 4, verse 4 says this. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, tired meaning, was sitting beside the well, it was about the sixth hour. Some translations say noon. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. <laughs> Jesus said, give me a drink. We're going to stop right there. Let's pray. Lord, tonight there's a mask that we carry that we may not know. And in this story, we see and find exactly what it is. Give us the strength to see your word and not just see it, but hear it. And not just hear it, but do it. It's your word, not mine. So speak life and freedom into the lives and hearts of these students. And those, God, who have found themselves closed off to you, cold, hardened, uninterested, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move them to tears tonight. That your Holy Spirit would move them into a position, a posture of receiving you. In Jesus' name, everyone says, amen. We're flying through this, so go ahead, sit, go ahead, sit. This story introduces us to another conversation Jesus is having. His boys, his disciples, leave him to go get lunch somewhere. They just were out Jesus. I don't know why they would just leave Jesus by himself, but they just left Jesus by himself. Jesus being tired and thirsty from this journey that he's been walking, because they don't have like Ubers and, you know, they don't have the little scooters that pe people recklessly be driving around Chicago. So he sees a woman there, and he asks for a drink. Why this is weird is this woman wasn't just an ordinary woman. This woman was a Samaritan. And Samaritans and Jews didn't get along. There's a lot to unpack there that we could do another time. Maybe you could just do your own research on that. But Samaritans and Jews just didn't get along, as well as she was a woman. And so it was just kind of inappropriate and a little weird that this is happening. So you'll see on verse 7, go ahead and throw verse 7 up there. It says, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Sometimes Jesus will be weird. I'm not going to lie to you. 
Like, if I was Jesus' PR agent, I'd be, I'll pull Jesus aside and be like, Jesus, you can't just be doing that. Like, that's not your woman, right? I don't even talk to my wife that way. Like, can you imagine if you went up to your wife? Like, I went up to Pastor Ariel and be like, woman, give me a drink. She would give me an uppercut. So that's, uh, that's that. He says, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus strikes up a conversation with her. Her response was appropriate. You're like, why is she being petty? Hold up. This is an appropriate response. This is a woman that's like, this random dude is coming up to me, asking me for a drink. I don't know him. He is a Jew. So obviously, like culturally, there's a barrier. She can tell that he's a Jew and Jesus should be able to tell that she is a Samaritan, whether that's how they looked or dressed or their dialect, their, their accent, how they spoke. It was just obvious that these two should not be talking to one another. Why would someone like him be talking to someone like her? Jesus, in return, responds with this. Verse 10, verse 10, throw it up. If you knew the gift of God and who it was who says this to you or says to you, give me a drink, you, had, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Basically, leave that up there. Basically says, if you knew who I was, you would be asking me for a drink. It's a little weird because you just asked, like, but you just asked me for a drink. So I don't, who gets a drink here? I don't, I don't know. What's, is this a thing? Is this, we both get a drink, right? And he would give, and he would giving you living water. The woman said to him, "Sir, <laughs> I don't know if this is like polite or like kind of annoyed. You know what I'm saying? Like that, like sir. You know what I'm saying? Like a Karen at, at like wanting to talk to the manager, sir. You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water?" Pause right here. She's basically saying, sir, um, you came to a well without a bucket. So um, I don't know what you want me to do for you. Let me give you a little background on this well. This well was kind of like an epicenter of the community. Why? Because it was a shared well. People came to this well. And so it was culture and tradition for women to go to this well in groups kind of like how y'all be going to the bathroom together i still don't understand i don't know what y'all be doing i think y'all have a secret society that y'all just don't talk about to us because we will never know who told him <laughs> sniper take him out right so it's like it's like hey so-and-so so-and-so let's go to the bathroom and then y'all just be going so it's curious to me that culturally, a woman wouldn't be going by herself, let alone without a husband accompanying her. So it was, I was curious. I wonder why this woman is by herself. And what we're going to read here in a second was this woman had a reputation. And not a lot of people like being around her for a certain reason. And so if you're wondering, like, why is this woman by herself? There's a backstory that we're going to uncover here in a second that allows you to understand what's happening. Where then do you get this living water? She says, sir, you don't have a bucket. Well, she didn't know. Well, she wasn't talking to an empty bucket. 
she was talking to the well. She wasn't talking by a well. She was talking to the well. You'll get that here in a second. She wasn't talking next to a well. She was talking to the well. Who is that well? Who is that living water? Well, we see here Jesus' response. Next slide. Verse 13. We pick it up. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Everyone that draws water out of this well, he's saying to her, will be thirsty again. Makes sense, right? It's kind of like Captain Obvious. We're like, yes, that makes sense, Jesus. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Welling up to eternal life. This is a moment we see Jesus answering this question. Where do you get this water? He's saying, me. He sees something that we're not seeing in this picture. That she's thirsty. That she's in need. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming to draw water. I wonder why she doesn't want to go back to that well. I wonder if it's the dirty looks she gets from the other women. I wonder if it's the whispers she hears down the street on her way there. I wonder if it's how people move out of the way when she walks. I wonder if that's any of you. I wish I could just graduate early so I don't have to keep going back to that school. I wish I could just pass this class so I don't have to come back to these people or this teacher. I wonder what would keep her from wanting to do that. Jesus doesn't really address this just yet. Verse, <laughs> verse 16, he says, He told her, go, call your husband, and come back. Okay, a little accountability. Thank you, Jesus. 17, verse 17. She says, I have no husband. She replied. Okay, this is where it gets crazy for a second. So let's get into it. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands. And the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. That's wild. He's like, you know what? Um, can you go get your husband so that we can talk? She goes, I don't have a husband. He's like, oh, yeah, my bad. You've had five husbands, and the, and the dude that you with, you ain't married with. And uh, so, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I'm like, Jesus, you can't just be saying stuff like that. You can't just be putting, you know, putting people on blast. So this is, this is where we lock in. This is where we lock in, right here in this moment, right here. We have now come to the mask. We have now come to the mask. If you haven't noticed a theme here, I'll lay it out. She is wearing the mask 
of the empty bucket. Should be the next slide. The empty bucket. You're like, that's weird. That doesn't make sense. That's not something that you can wear. Sal, in the office is the bucket. The mask of the empty bucket. Let me break it down for you what I mean by this. This is a promiscuous woman. Meaning, this is one of those. This is one of those. The one that you know that's been with everyone at school. Right? What was once the thirst and need for value in a relationship has now transformed into a lifestyle of promiscuous living. She's thirsty. When I was younger and I read this verse, I'm like, how could that woman be that way? How could, how could she do that to these men or this and that? And I realized now that I'm older, that she's thirsty. And when you're thirsty, you'll do whatever you can to what? Say it. To drink. She's thirsty and she's thirsty. She's looking for something that only Jesus can satisfy. That's why, that's why they're meeting at the well. It is not a coincidence. Jesus could have met her on the road. Jesus could have found her at the store. Jesus could have got her going somewhere else. But instead, Jesus finds her at a well. And she's carrying this huge empty bucket. And every day, she goes to the well. She fills it up. And she goes to the next man. And it gets poured out. And she looks for them to fill it. And it doesn't happen. And so she goes to the next well, the next man. And she looks for him to fill it. And he does it. And so she goes to the next man, the next well. Maybe this guy can fill it. Maybe that guy was just too broke. Maybe this guy with money can fill it. Nope. Nope. Maybe this guy, maybe this well can fill it. Can you fill? Nope. You're not sensitive enough. You don't, you can't, you don't understand me. And so five husbands later, she finds herself still empty. And she's ran into another well. And the man that she's living with is still not satisfying her. The man that she's living with leaves her empty. What could she be looking for? What is she in need of? I think you and I carry this mask. It's not so much that we wear it. It's that we carry it. This is, this is us. This is a lot of us. This is a lot of how we walk through our schools, how we go throughout life. An empty bucket looking for wells to fill us. And nothing works. Nothing works. This, this message hit home for me because this was me. This was me in high school. 
girl after girl, flirtationship after flirtationship. And it, it's crazy, but for some reason and somehow, the bucket got heavier, but it was still empty. How could the bucket get heavier if it's not full of anything? And I don't have the answer, but it felt like I was dragging an empty bucket and I thought I could find it in girls. I thought I could find it in music. I thought I could find it in all these other things. But here I am once again with an empty bucket and nothing to show for it. Until I came not to a well, but to the well to the well and a lot of us are carrying the mask of the empty bucket she thought she was thirsty in the physical but her spiritual life was longing for water that would quench that thirst that maybe she's lonely maybe someone said something to her that scarred her and Now she doesn't trust men. I think we give her a hard time for being promiscuous. But girls just, if I can just be honest, ladies, I think you would appreciate this. Y'all just don't be doing that stuff for no reason. Fellas, we don't just hop from girl to girl for no reason. That there's something inside of us that is searching. That's something that's inside of us that is longing for some type of connection. For some type of quenching of a thirst. And so I feel bad. Now I feel bad that she's in front of Jesus and he just put her business out in the open. The question then is, Pastor Izzy, how do I get rid of this? And I think the question is twofold. The answer, I think it's not about getting rid of. It's about filling. It's about filling with someone that will never run dry. The mask of the bucket can be taken off, meaning your pursuit of things that will not satisfy you. Yes, take that mask off. But the bucket that is our life, God wants to fill, not get rid of. Getting rid of the bucket, this isn't in my notes, but I feel the Holy Spirit. Getting rid of the bucket's not the answer. Because then you're just always thirsty. Then you get irritable. Then you get resentful. Then you get bitter. So getting rid of this bucket in the sense of your life isn't the answer. But in the sense of the mask, it's essential. It's essential. So how do we get rid of the mask of the bucket and be filled as buckets? It's this. It has to be confronted. It has to be confronted. Jesus brought up this embarrassing issue because her sinful life had to be confronted. Her sinful life had to be confronted. This woman had to decide in this moment what she loved more, her sin or the Messiah. She is shocked. Now, the town probably knew who she was, but Jesus, like Jesus isn't a local. Like he doesn't frequent The shop's there. He's visiting. He's passing through. How could Jesus know this about her? She's shocked. She's embarrassed. 
She calls him a prophet. You can read it on your own, but she calls him a prophet. And after a few more moments, she comes to a place where she mentions the coming of the the Messiah. She's like, you guys can worship in Jerusalem, but us, we have to worship in different places and things like that. But when the Messiah comes, we can worship. And this, that. Jesus, Jesus says something that we don't see him respond to Peter he responds a different way. Look at this. She says, when the Messiah comes then, he says, verse 26, then Jesus, what's this next word? What does that mean? That, that's not, then Jesus half-heartedly said, then Jesus timidly said, when you declare something, that means it's a what? It's a fact. It is. And not just it is, but he is. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. I've never understood the argument that people would bring up saying that Jesus never declared himself as the Messiah. When we see in John 4, 26, Jesus blatantly say, the Messiah that you're speaking of, that you are waiting for, to help you, to restore you, to lift you up. I, the one speaking to you. How You can't get more clear than that. I am he. This is what we saw last week, right? Jesus declaring that he is the Messiah, the anointed one, the chosen one, the Savior. Fast forward a little bit. She leaves him. So she goes. The disciples come. They find Jesus. Meanwhile, what does this Samaritan woman do? She could have been embarrassed. She could have been, I can't believe he knows that about me. I'm just going to go hide. I'm going to go run. I'm going to move away. No. The Samaritan woman goes and tells everyone. Look at verse 28. Then leaving her water jar, I want you to underline that for a second because we can come back to that. The woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? I like, like, bop myself in the head because I'm like, he just told you. He literally just told you. He literally just told you. They came out of the town and made their way toward him. They made their way toward him. I love this. She was so impressed and moved by Jesus so much that she went and told people. There's no record of her, like, in that moment, like, coming to know Jesus as her Lord and Savior. She met a man who offered her something that she couldn't refuse, living water. And just by Jesus gracefully and peacefully confronting her sin, it moved her. It moved her to tell someone. Jesus d- displayed, really in this moment, so much love and a sense of security that she felt safe even when Jesus exposed her sin. Listen, tonight, I want you to know that you're in a safe space, that you're in a secure place for your sins to be exposed. Not by me, but by Jesus. So when does she take the mask off? That's the biggest question that I had. 
when the Lord brought the story to my heart, I said, Lord, I see the mask. I see the empty bus- the bucket. I see the empty bucket. But where does she take it off? When, when, when does she have this revelation of I don't have to be promiscuous anymore? And we see this moment in verse 28. It says, then leaving her water jar. I feel the Holy Spirit. Then leaving her bucket. That's her taking off the mask. That's her removing the mask. She took off her mask when she left the bucket. The bucket that represented her emptiness. The bucket that represented her insecurities. The bucket that she carried empty, but that was heavy anyway. The bucket that she would go from man to man, hoping she would get filled. And yet, nothing. So when did she take off the mask? She encountered who Jesus really is. And she left it there. Realizing that the bucket wasn't something to wear. It's something to be. And in that moment, through the prophecy of Jesus, she was full. So full that through the overflow of what Jesus did, she had to go and tell people. Tonight, God is calling you to leave the bucket behind. To leave it at the well and follow Jesus. Look what happens when she takes off the mask. You say, Pastor Izzy, I hear you, but what's the benefit? Because at least I get attention from people with this mask. What's the benefit of taking off this mask? Look at it at verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him. Why? Because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed for two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the savior of the world. We heard you, but now that we've met him, he really is the son of God. He really is the Messiah. What does that look like for Excel? It looks like when you take off the mask of the empty bucket and you get filled with God's love and his Holy Spirit, that you go tell someone at school and not just tell them, but say, you've got to come and see what this is all about. And you bring them to a Thursday night here at Excel. And they encounter Jesus for the first time. And they feel his love and mercy and him smiling on them. And they'll be able to say to you, I don't believe now just because of what you said. But now I really know that Jesus is real. And he's the savior of the world. God wants to take your mask off. So that you can help others take theirs off. 
But her freedom came with one thing. The theme of this series. That her identity was not in her mistakes anymore. But in the revelation of who Jesus really is. She's not the bucket anymore. Because she understands that Jesus is the Messiah. Her Savior. Her wellspring. Your wellspring. That will never run dry. Can you bow your heads for a moment? Sal, do you mind grabbing this? This bucket is some of you in this room. And I've been in your spot where you're just not satisfied by anything anymore. That that sin, that that relationship, that that thing you keep running to, it doesn't fill you anymore. It used to, and it tricked you into thinking that that's what was going to sustain you, but it doesn't sustain you anymore. There's some of you here tonight, listen, you are empty. And there's nothing that I can give you as Pastor Izzy that could fill you up. But just like the Samaritan woman, I'm here to tell you that I met a man named Jesus on a Friday night on Addison and Long down the street because someone invited me and I encountered a God that didn't see my sin but saw me for who I really was, his son. And I stopped believing because of that invitation. And I started believing because Jesus saw me and told me everything I ever did. And I said, how could you love someone like me? How could you be talking to someone like me? I don't deserve to be near you. And after he told me everything I ever did, he said, you're angry, you're addicted, you're vengeful. You're alone. You've done A, B, and C. And I said, you're right. I've cheated on everyone. I've cheated myself. But the conversation didn't stop there that Friday night. After he told me everything he did, he told me he still loved me. He told me he still wanted to be my friend. He told me I didn't have to look anywhere else to be fulfilled anymore. He told me that I could stay right there with him, that I could leave the bucket behind. And I believe that there's some of you tonight that you're empty and you're looking and you're searching. And I'm here to tell you, like the Samaritan told the people in the town, that there is a man who will tell you everything you have ever done and still love you for it. But I can't get you out of your seat. I can't drag you. I can't do any of that. I can only tell you this. That if you really want to take off the mask tonight, if you really want to be filled for the first time like you've never been filled before, if you're tired of carrying an empty bucket and you want to be filled, and you want God to reveal himself to you as the Messiah. Here's what we're going to do. If that's you, 
And you say, Pastor Izzy, this word was for me. I want you to just, no one looking around, I just want you to raise your hand. This word was for anybody in this room. You're tired of being empty. You're tired of searching for things. I know there is, and that's not me trying to manipulate the room, but God put this on my heart for someone in this room. If that's you, it's okay to be exposed in this moment. It's okay to be exposed in this moment. Jesus didn't condemn her. Jesus didn't belittle her. Jesus loved her. Jesus changed her life. Is that anyone in this room? You raise your hand. You're like, hey, that's me, Pastor Izzy. I see that. Thank you for being brave. Thank you for being brave. It just takes one. Who else? Who else would say, you know what? Over here? Yeah, I saw that hand. Who else? Now that that's two. There's more people. There's more people that are wearing this mask. And it's okay to do that. Awesome. So here's what I would like to do. If we can all stand. Because as your pastor, I believe in you. And you may not feel like you need to raise your hand. But I think this is a great word to respond to in general. If I could get the rest of the worship team up here. And I want to respond to it. And you may feel like, Pastor Izzy, I don't, I don't carry that mask. That's not me. Someone you know does. Someone you know does. And they need to hear from you that there's someone that wants to deliver them. I don't know if you have a song planned. Love it. Love it. So here's what we're going to do. Because I don't think responding is an option. I gave you an opportunity to raise your hand. I'm glad you did. So now as your pastor, I want to lead you in this moment. So I want you to trust me. I want you to trust me. If I can get all of you, we're going to all respond to this. I want you all to just fill this altar like you did for worship. Come on out from your seats. Everyone, everyone.